It's good to be here this morning with everybody. And, oh, I'm sorry you can't take your mask off, but I'm glad I can. Um, so today we are starting our new preaching series, as Zach said, God is Green. And as Christians and as a church, we want to live our lives in a way that reflects who God is to the world around us. And historically, we've been pretty good when it comes to uh, sharing what we believe in or helping people who are in need. However, the love of God doesn't begin and end with humanity. The love of God is for the whole of his creation. And as a church, as a society, if we're honest, we've not done a great job of living that out. And we've taken for granted this amazing world that God has homed us in. However, there is hope for our world in shifting attitudes and positive changes. We see positive news stories on the news as well as the negative ones. And as people reflecting and representing the love of God for his creation, we want to be the people that are hope bringers in this time. And we should be the ones banging the drum for the earth. So, what we're going to be asking ourselves over the course of the next few weeks is how do we reflect the love that God has given his creation in our actions, in our words, and in our worship? And we want to open up this conversation together, knowing that we still have, if we're honest, a long way to go, but seeking to genuinely and faithfully engage in this conversation and learn from one another. So we're going to turn to scripture to understand a bit more about how God views his creation and challenge our role and our responsibility in that and recognize how the love of Jesus extends to the world around us. So we're going to start today by looking at the first two verses of Psalm 24, which I think will come up on the big screen behind me, which is exciting and big and new, so... That's Psalm 24, and you can open it in your Bibles if you're reading along with me. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. I'm just going to read that one more time. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Yeah, I just want to stop and praise you and thank you, God, for those words. And maybe may you open our eyes to what that means for us today. Amen. So my message this morning is pretty simple. It is that we own nothing. Everything belongs to God. We merely have temporary custody over his stuff. And as we begin this conversation around the climate crisis and creation care, we need to start from a posture and a place of humility. As is so often said, humility isn't just thinking less of yourself, it's thinking about yourself less. 
And we'll get nowhere with climate justice unless we start to think of ourselves less, which is a hard thing to do sometimes. Recently, um, a friend confessed to me, and apologies in advance, this is the most British anecdote of all time, but a friend confessed to me that the way that he makes a cup of tea is firstly to pour in milk into a cup, then to plop a dry tea bag into that milk, then to pour in the hot water on the milk, not even necessarily hitting the tea bag. Is that not the most disgraceful thing you've ever heard? If you're personally affected by this, I can pray for you at the end because it is incredibly distressing. And when I heard this, when I discovered this, I incredibly confidently said, you could blindfold me and I would 100% be able to tell if you made me a tea that way or the normal and correct way. So obviously this was a ludicrous claim that I made and we put it to the test. So my friend made three different cups of tea, made three different ways, ranging from the sinful, blasphemous way of making tea to the Lord's anointed way of making tea. And um, I taste tested them. And you can imagine, as uh, I drank from these three cups of tea, um, and they all tasted exactly the same, the sweat began to drip down my face as I realized that I literally could not tell them apart and my claim to superiority was completely unfounded. Um, so I had to admit in front of people that no longer respect me that um, I was as uncultured as my friend. So it was a hard time for me. But the point of that story is that many of us become pretty set in our ways over time. We subconsciously, all consciously, think that our way is the best way, and our way of doing things is the right one and the okay one. And this extends to the energy we consume, the places we spend our money, what we eat, where we go. And I thought that my tea-making habits were set forever until I did have to eat humble pie. But if the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it. How does this change our attitudes and our behaviors? What does assuming a posture of humility look like? And the first aspect of this that I want to explore is learning humbly. Something that's fascinated me ever since I first heard about it, I don't know how many of you have as well, is this thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which basically is this um, hypothesis that the less we know, the more we think we know. So Dunning and Kruger were psychologists who, after a series of experiments, observed that generally, the greater the incompetence of a person in a certain area, the less their awareness of it paradoxically, the most capable and confident and competent people were usually the ones underestimating their skills and their knowledge. So when I tell you that I'm very, very good at marathon running, you can judge for yourself whether that's true or not. But let's choose to start from a place of admitting that we're not the experts, however much we think we might know, and choose to learn humbly. And that applies not just to learning facts about the climate crisis, but also learning from each other and crucially learning from God. 
in his book, Planet Wise, Dave Bookless, which is just the best name for an author, um, he says, many of us only come to the Bible asking questions like, what does this tell me about my relationship with God? We tend to see the Bible as being all about people. Actually, it is all about God. Alongside the familiar material about God's dealings with humanity, there is a huge amount about God's dealings with the earth, which we've tended to overlook. Most of us have failed to ask what the Bible says about the planet and God's relationship and ours with it. Some of you will have loads and loads of knowledge when it comes to this topic that we're going to be unpacking and exploring. You might have years of action, whether that's in small things or in big things, under your belt. But maybe you don't feel quite as confident about where to actually turn to in scripture that shows that God cares that this is important to God. And that's understandable in some ways because there's so much readily available information when it comes to the climate now in books, podcasts, TV, the news, everywhere. So hopefully this series will help you. But what's important is that you choose to learn who to look to first and choose to relay your foundations with God. We're not justified by what we do, but by who we are. So fighting against climate change, against the prevailing systems and powerful forces and governments, ideologies alone, without God, brings fear, eco-anxiety, and more. I've, I've seen it happen. It can be heavy. So we choose to do this as hope bringers. And some others of you will be much more acquainted with the scripture, but struggle to translate that into today's conversation around the climate and bring that into action. Cultural awareness has heightened rapidly and the conversation is emotionally charged and this can be overwhelming and that's okay if you fall into that category as well. But you don't have to know everything to do something. And as it says in the book of James, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? And there are a couple of different misconceptions or barriers that can often stop people from wanting to start getting involved with uh, different ways of doing climate justice and climate activism. And I can't touch on all of them today, but one of them that I just want to mention is this idea that well, there are so many different things in the world that we could care about that affect people. Poverty, wars, the list goes on. Sadly, it goes on. So why should I invest my time into caring about the environment? But caring about the environment is caring for people. Climate change is a leading cause of global poverty and conflict. Ruth Valeria talks about this in her book, L is for Lifestyle. She says, there are 22.5 million displaced people due to climate change and weather-related disasters. 4.5 billion people 
which is the majority of the global population, 4.5 billion people live in areas of water stress where water supplies don't meet demand. And there are a few different factors of this, but they all essentially come back to the climate. So you've got um, because of climate change, water pollution, increasing global demand, erosion and habitat damage. And those are just two issues where, as Valerio says, it's the poor who suffer most, but are least responsible for the problems. And our verse that we're looking at today in the psalm says that the earth is the Lord's and all who live in it. In Genesis, when God creates humanity, he says that we are very good, all of us globally. So if we choose to turn a blind eye to the climate crisis and if we nod gravely when someone brings up the facts but then proceed to go on with wasteful lifestyles, we're declaring in our actions that we think that those in low-income countries, that the majority of the global population are not equally a part of God's incredible creation and that we're not equally very good. But yet Jesus says he came to proclaim good news to the poor. Learning humbly may require us to say sorry and repent for our old attitudes and behaviours. And when we pray a prayer of repentance, we don't just want to let go of our old ways, but we want to come to God and ask for a fresh perspective, new eyes for how we should see ourselves, each other, and all of creation. So this leads us on to seeing humbly. This is about how we see ourselves and others. And it says in the Psalms that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm sure many of you have heard that verse before. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We believe as followers of God that we are his children, that we get to be adopted into sonship. These incredible promises and truths. It is clear that God loves every single one of us. But at the same time, it's definitely not all about me. It's not all about you. The book of Job in the Old Testament gives us this powerful story of a man who had everything until disaster struck. And he's left sick and grieving and angry and frustrated at God. And God shows up and speaks to Job. But instead of saying any of the things that you would expect God to say to someone in that situation, he firstly reminds Job that he is the creator God and that he, he launches into this incredible speech about the whole of creation and how he put the stars in place and how he sees and sustains every living thing from goats to lions to whales. And he takes Job on this incredible visual and a tour of creation. And that is who God is. And who we are in response is that we are just one part of a wider whole and our place is as a part of one big ecosystem. In Edinburgh we don't always see a huge variety of wildlife. Once I went rollerblading at night and I saw a badger 
And it was the best day of my life. It was incredible. And then just before Christmas, I was looking out my window doing some cleaning and a pheasant came up to the back door. And that was the second best day of my life. So my life is really interesting and cool. I know, it's great. But those are not the normal things. And unless you're a farmer in this room or watching online, we probably, and you and I, aren't that connected to where our food comes from either, or how it grew or how it lived before it ended up packaged in big Tesco's. But God sees it all. And clearly he cares. And I know many of you love going out for walks, enjoying the amazing views and all the hills that Edinburgh has to offer. And getting out in nature is an amazing way to connect with God. And it can inspire us to worship, to give praise to God and to offer ourselves to him. But how do we do that? How do we actually worship? Do we say, thank you, God, and praise him in those moments, but then carry on with, our, with the rest of our lives? Or do we actually, as a response to that, offer our whole lives to God in worship and care for the very thing that inspired us to praise in the first place? I love this passage from one of the prophet books in the Old Testament in Micah where he writes in chapter 6, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. God doesn't want us to waste what we have. Instead, he wants us to use what we have to worship him not just extravagance for the sake of it, but by using what we have to be merciful, to act, enact justice, and to walk humbly. Because the earth isn't just this thing that we have to use and abuse. In Ian Bradley's book, God is Green, he shows how persistent this kind of thinking has been throughout Christian history as a result of misguided interpretations of scripture and other non-Christian philosophies kind of seeping in to how we interpret and understand that. And so some theologians have taught that the world exists for us, just for us. And some scientists have shown us that the natural world is just to be quantified and used however suits us best. And maybe that doesn't sound so wrong, does it? But actually, we read in Colossians 1 verses 16. For in Jesus all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. The world is not for us. It's all for Jesus. 
everything you own, everything you wish you owned, every place you've ever been, every place you've seen on the telly, it's all for Jesus. And maybe that sounds kind of weird to you, but Jesus is the only person who has ever walked this earth who is completely good, completely perfect. And this is why we relinquish our sense of ownership over to him. We're just the caretakers. There's nothing wrong, there's nothing worse than when you have something of someone else's and you break it, right? But if you break your own thing, that's fine. That's totally different. Because when you borrow something that's not yours, you take care of it. And so we want to take care of this earth. That's why we choose to take part in creation care. And I don't want to get too much today into the specific practical outworkings of that. It was great to hear a little bit from Manon earlier, and we'll continue to hear those kinds of stories. Um, But I do love that chat. That's my jam. But um, this week is mainly about just setting the foundations. And the book that we're recommending that you read alongside this series over the next couple of months is Ruth Valerio's L is for Lifestyle. And it has a load more of the kind of practical applications of this content. So I'd recommend it as a really good starting place. But I will say that there are three things that I think are important for us to remember as we begin to walk humbly into creation care. And firstly, let's not brush over what a challenge it is that this is all for Jesus. It can actually be a really helpful kind of guiding and navigating tool. So when you buy that second car or that extension, is it for Jesus? When you save up to buy something and choose not to spend money on something else, are you doing that for him? When I save up all my pennies for one pair of ethical trousers as opposed to five pairs of ASOS trousers that I actually prefer more, that's my (laughs) doing it for Jesus. But we can apply this to everything, big and small. Maybe you set goals for the year this year. Maybe you're stewing over what those could be over the coming couple of weeks. Well, think about them. Look through them. Ask yourself. Do they fit with a life of walking humbly? Do they put Jesus first? And when the answer to that is yes, we'll begin to see God's goodness reflected in more areas of our lives. Secondly, it's important to remember that partaking in creation care will look different for some of us than it will for others. Not all of us in this room can afford plastic-free shopping, for example. Not all of us can afford to always buy fair trade. And for some, the idea of taking less flights is a bit of a joke, quite frankly, because you didn't take any in the first place. And that's okay. The teachings of Jesus categorically show us that you're not less good of a Christian or anything like that because there are some ethical choices that are inaccessible to you. It starts with the heart, which means that we can do this with regardless of how much or how little we have. Everything is still from Jesus and for Jesus.
And thirdly, when we choose to engage with creation care, we honour God. And we see from the passage we read today that God is concerned with the whole of his creation. And so we're able to bless and to honour him when we care for his world. And when we're in right relationship with our environment, nurturing it while it sustains us, we please the God who created life to be sustainable. And in this, we also reflect God's heart and character Just as God created the world, so too are we designed to be creative and to create sustainably. Theologian Philip Hefner summarizes this way of thinking with his terminology that we are created co-creators. And by being created co-creators, we get to participate in bringing God's kingdom And this is something that we'll look at more in later weeks as well. But God's kingdom is one of justice, mercy, and humility, as we've read. So whatever we can do now that is good work can be something that brings light for people that don't yet know Jesus. And we have the privilege and responsibility of getting to reveal to people who God is and what his heart is for our planet, for his creation. Because today is about shifting perspective. For those of us who haven't maybe seen this as significant enough, and for those of us who have been doing this, but need to delve into what God has to say on it. For all of us to check ourselves and assess, not what we're doing, but who we're doing it for. Because... As we all know, there's no doubt that action is urgent now. So I'd love to finish um, this time today with, if we could just stand in a moment and we'll say these verses together as an act of confession, choosing in our hearts as we say these words that we want to go from here, learning, seeing, and walking humbly. So if you're joining in from your homes, please stand as well. If you're in this room, I'd love it if we could stand together now. And the verse is going to come up on the screen, and we can all say it together before Sam and the band then lead us into worship. So let's say this together. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Thank you, Father, that this is true. That we can hold everything we have lightly and give our stresses and our concerns over to you. And choose to walk humbly today. Amen.